2 Timothy chapter 2, we'll read verses 1 and 2, where the Bible says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. I want to focus on that second verse. The same commit thou to what? Faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And tonight I want to teach a lesson with God's help on this thought. God is looking for a few faithful men. Thank you. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Now I understand that in a mixed congregation, the ladies would feel left out if I only preached to the men. So I want you to understand that we use men as a very generic term to represent all of humanity, that God expects both men and women to be faithful to his service. If you're with me, say amen. amen. But for sake of argument, we're going to keep with our simple title. God is looking for a few faithful men. Now, what does it mean to be faithful? If you look it up, uh, if I pronounce this correctly, the Greek word is pistos, which means uh, trustworthy or trustful or believing or faithfully sure or faithfully true. Uh, I, I like the, the clear definition. What is what the Bible is essentially saying is when we, when we are trusted with the gospel by God, we are then to make disciples of men, uh, disciples of God's people, and commit the same truths to those who will be faithful, that you can trust them not to drop the ball, so to speak. You can, you can rely upon them. The Bible says that confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. Amen. And it's important that we understand the necessity of faithfulness to God's work and God's kingdom. Uh, were it not for God's faithful servants, this church would not be in existence today. It's somebody and many, and not, not just somebody singularly, but many over the years have paid great prices to ensure the stability of this church so that it can be here for the next generation. But it is imperative tonight that we remember that faithfulness is just that at no point can you take a shortcut when it comes to faithfulness. If we want the next generation to have this church in existence, should Jesus tarry his coming, then we ourselves are going to have to remain committed and faithful to the cause of Christ. And and so it implies to be trustworthy. Can God trust you with the responsibilities of ministry? It's a very, very important question. So many today want to pick and choose what they will and won't do. And they, they're not looking for something that requires too much commitment. They're looking for something that they can opt in or out of at their convenience and at their leisure. But God did not go to the cross through uh, Jesus Christ, his son, uh, with a non-committed attitude. He was in it all the way to death and beyond. Can I get an amen? And if we're ever going to reach this generation with the real truth and power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then we're going to have to be committed to the cause of Christ and we're going to have to be committed to faithfulness to the work of the Lord. Uh, when I think of the word faithfulness, I think of being tried and true and proven. Uh, you know, some people, they're just like clockwork. Unless they're sick or dead, 
they're going to be there. Amen. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I want to be counted as one that was present and accounted for. I don't want to be one that's missing in action, that uses to go to church or to uh, stand in my spot to serve wherever I feel like I'm delegated to serve just at a whim or at a hunch or when I'm feeling okay or when it's most convenient. Amen. Uh, I believe that every single child of God in the church, regardless of how great or how small the responsibility, it is your obligation and your duty, not to me, not to Washington Heights Baptist Church, but to God Almighty to be faithful to your post. Can I get an amen? And I wish that church members were as faithful as they expect their pastors to be. Can I say that one more time? I wish that church members were as faithful as they expect their pastors to be. While most congregants appreciate a nice little comfortable pass on the occasion where we just pat them on the back and say, it's okay, we understand you couldn't make it. But you give a pastor two weeks directly back to back off and they're wondering where in the world is he at? What is he doing denying his posts and his responsibilities? My God, we need another preacher. We can't even count on our preacher to be faithful and he might just miss one or two services out of the year. Can I get an amen tonight? I believe that what's good for one is good for all. We should all be faithful to our post if we're going to say that we're serving God together in the kingdom of His dear Son. All right, now we off to a good start, ain't we? So uh, I, we see number one that faithfulness means firm in adherence to the truth and to duty. You'll pray for my voice. It's firm in adherence to both truth and to duty. So it's not just good enough to say that we believe this Bible. It's not just good enough that we read the Bible. It's not just good enough that we say we're a member of Washington Heights Baptist Church and that we attend most Sunday mornings. It's not just good enough to claim to believe in the truth. But I want to ask a question that all of us need to ask ourselves. Where is our commitment to our duty to be here and accounted for and serving God. Why it seems like today in the Laodicean sleepy church age that duty is a four letter cuss word. That responsibility is the kind of word you want to mention if you want to run off half the crowd and never expect them to come back. Uh, we got a crowd today that wants to just show up and be pampered and be entertained and then be left alone. They want me to just preach to them, love them, and let them live their lives and stay out of their hair. But I, I got news for you. God did not call me, Gary called, nor did he call this preacher on the back row or any other preacher to just leave the flock alone. We're called to challenge you. We're called to teach you. We're called to motivate you. We're called to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering in doctrine. And we're called to raise a mighty army for Jesus Christ. And I just want to challenge you tonight uh, uh, to answer this question honestly between you and the Lord. Are you faithful to your duty as much as you are to the truths that you claim you believe? While the Bible says that faith without works is dead, being alone. You say you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. The writer of the book of James said, did he not? Uh, see, uh, when you're going to row a boat, you're going to need an oar on both sides. It's going to take faith on one side and works on the other to get it going straight ahead. If you do it without one or the other, you're just going to spin around in circles. You're going to get nowhere. It's called a whole lot of activity, but no momentum, no direction, no movement, no progress. We need both truth and duty if we're going to be faithful to the cause of Christ. Many want to wear the badge of honor called duty without putting in the time for it. 
We want to be bragged on and applauded and recognized for any little old thing that we show up for as if we did some great monumental thing for God. And the truth is, Jesus told His disciples after they got back healing the sick, raising the dead and casting out devils, He said, this is what you need to say when you get back. I am an unprofitable servant and I've only done what was my what? Duty to do. We don't have any bragging rights. Just because we do this or that or the other, or I show up more than so and so, or I know how to do this and they don't, we don't have no bragging rights. Amen. We need to give glory and honor to Jesus Christ. Let Him take the glory and just show up and do what God has trusted us to do. Can I get an amen? amen. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14. The Bible's, uh, in fact, let's just turn there real quick. Matthew chapter 25. I'm probably going to hit the high points and not read the whole chapter. I'm trying to decide what I want to do. Let's look at verse 14. All right, let's read verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who, read the next few words with me, called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Let's stop right there. He called his own servants. First thing I want to point out is that to be faithful, it is a calling. That means that it is a requirement. What does another scripture say? Moreover, it is required in stewards or managers that a man be found faithful. Uh, I was an office manager for a construction company for over 15 years before I moved to uh, to Georgia from Mississippi. And many times I took my work with me. I couldn't hardly go on a, a, a little outing or a trip or anything without keeping my phone on 24-7 because that's the responsibilities of a manager of a construction company with sometimes as many as 10 or 15 crews out at the same time running logistics and and, 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 and trying to, uh, do the controlling, getting materials here and there and everywhere. Anything can happen at any time, any day or night. And as a manager, it was my duty and my responsibility to be on call 24 seven. It's partly why I'm in the shape I'm in. <laughs> Amen. Here's the interesting thing. We all understand that concept when it comes to the need to make money and how many would put their cell phone call 24 7 365 if it meant getting a good paycheck but now let's flip the script how come the most single most important organism living breathing organism known to man not an organization an organism the church is the most important organism known to man how come we don't treat it with equal or greater uh responsibility than the understanding of what it takes to earn an almighty dollar we'll do more for money than we will for the house of god and i'm preaching to the choir can i get an amen I know we got to work and I know you got, you live in a physical real world and with real responsibilities. I, I'm not saying you should just walk off from your job and just spend all your days at the church. You'll go hungry doing that. Amen. Uh, but let me tell you what we do need to do. We need to have an attitude that we're willing to spend as much time as God enables us to spend to get the work done because it's even more important than our responsibility to get up every day and go to work to provide for our family. The kingdom of God is most important because what we work for to pay the bills and to put food on our table is only for temporary sustenance, for the flesh, earthly things. But what we work for in the kingdom has eternal impact. The Bible says, what shall it gain a man if he shall profit? What, what shall it profit a man rather if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Amen. So what is priority is where your heart is at. 
That's why Jesus said, where a man's treasure is, there will his heart be also. You want, me, you want to know what somebody's priorities are, where the heart is? If you want to know where somebody's heart is, study their priorities. You know why people put church on the back burner of their life and it's an option and not an obligation? It's because it's not priority number one. You, you, if, if people want to be here, they'll be here. Now, I, I, I'm not, I know there are exceptions, please. I know I can't paint with a big broad brush because there are certain circumstances, but you know where I'm, uh, if the shoe fits, wear it. Amen. And, and you say, well, the Bible don't say we had to go to church three times a week. No, it don't. But I tell you what the Bible does encourage. Unity with your local church. And so whatever your local church has agreed as an assembly to meet regularly doing, whether it's Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, or, or Tuesday night at midnight, whatever that church decides to do collectively, if you can be there, you ought to commit to it. Every single time the doors are open, revival services, special outings, outreaches, there's no excuse other than the excuses we make for ourselves because so we're willing to feed our flesh, but we're not willing to commit to the cause of Christ. Well, I don't even like working for so-and-so. You're not working for them. You're working for Jesus. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's been a long time since I pulled out an old school preach it hard about faithfulness message. But it's needed, ain't it? He said he called, <clears throat> he called, it might stop. Oh, there it is. He said he called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. All right, so the first thing is he was called. The second thing, when he delivered them to his goods, he gave them responsibility. God entrusted to us. Me and Brother Ron was over here the other night, and we prayed, and we was crying and praying before God and asking God, Lord, help us to be faithful stewards of the ministry that you've entrusted to us. It's not a light thing to have 30 people come through a dental clinic and pray to receive Christ as Savior. That's just the beginning. And where we have dropped the ball, myself included, is in the hard disciplinary work of making disciples. It takes commitment. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes effort. It takes planning. It takes organizing. It takes uh, unity. It takes faith. It takes all of the above. And there's no excuse. We have the Holy Ghost. We have the Word of God. We've been given the tools. And one day we'll give an account to God for whether or not we fumbled the ball. You say, but I got a lot of work to do. We all do. Next problem. Amen. And I want to thank God for those of you who are faithful. I'm not saying everybody here is not. You understand we preach generally and let the Holy Spirit apply it where it will. Amen. Said delivered unto him as good. This is responsibility. Verse 15. And unto one he gave five talents. To another two. To another one. Watch this. To every man according to his several ability. And straightway took his journey. It's interesting that what God, God knows what he can trust you with. And, and so, uh, you read, let's just skip to verse 21. His Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter out thou into the joy of thy Lord. So this, this first servant did well. Verse, uh, 23. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Second servant did good. Each of them were given each their uh, level uh, of responsibility that they could personally handle, and they both handled it well. God is not going to judge you on quantity. He's going to judge you on the quality of what you did with what you had. You remember the widow lady that gave her mic? That's all she had. But it was all she had. It was 100%. She, with just a little, was a 100%er. And God, in the courts of heaven, gave her far more credit than the ones who put in a lot of money because they gave out of their abundance and she gave out of her lack. 
It's not quantity, it's quality. What will you do with what you have? You say, I don't have much. But yeah, what are you doing with that little bit you have? Are you doing anything with it? And if not, why not? Find out what you can do for God and get to doing it. You don't have to get my permission to do it. You already got a mandate from Scripture. Amen. We don't have to run everything through a committee around here. Just get busy serving God and drag people to church and put them in a, hey, help take them to your house and start a little Bible study and, and get a few friends coming over. Then invite me over to do a little preaching every once in a while. And who, who knows, before you know it, you'll have a whole slew of people coming to church with you on Sunday morning, getting saved and baptized, getting baptized and joining the church because you took your little bit and said, I was willing to open up my home to love on a few people. It happens when you when people are hungry for it. Amen. I'm talking about just being faithful with what you got. Verse 26, uh, the slothful servant. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant. What did he do? He buried his talent in the ground. You remember the story. Thou knewest that I reap where I sow not and gather where I have not sowed or strawed. It's interesting, the same reason he used for not Doing anything with it, not taking the risk, is the same reason the Lord said that's why you should have done it. So the possible servant said, Lord, I was afraid to take a risk, so I protected your investment. And the Lord said it wasn't invested. You put it in the ground. You could have at least put it in the hands of somebody else to the money changers. In my mind, to help you understand that in modern day uh, economics, it would be almost the equivalent of saying you could have at least put it in a CD and draw 2 or 3% interest on it instead of nothing. Something's better than nothing. Oh, but Lord, I was protecting. I was afraid that if I put it out there, we'd lose it. The Lord would have rather you took a risk and lost than to not have taken a risk at all because no risk equals no faith. And God honors faith. And guess what? If you take a risk in faith and lose it all, guess what happens? At some point, sooner or later, God will return it back to you tenfold. I believe that, don't you? I'm helping myself tonight. I'm just going to go ahead and rejoice right there that whatever I've lost to, to invest in the kingdom and serve God, it's coming back. Jesus told his disciples, no man having left his father, mother, sisters, brothers, lands for my sake in the gospel shall not in this time gain houses, brothers, fathers, mothers, sisters, land, and in the life to come eternal life with persecutions. Got a little mixed up, but you get the point. He said, it's all coming back. It may not come back on Friday, baby, but it'll come. Your investment, your risk into the kingdom of God is not a waste. And it is not irresponsible for you to take a risk with God's treasures to do something to honor His name. Part of being faithful is being faithful with what you have been entrusted managing it, doing something with that opportunity. And I say to Washington Heights Baptist Church, we have been given much opportunity if we've been given nothing else. What will we do with this season, this window of opportunity? Are we going to maximize this opportunity or are we going to clam up in fear and shut it down all in the name of being frugal and then be giving account to God on judgment day for why we didn't take a risk with what God entrusted to us? It's called faith and God honors faith above all. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And I don't want to risk standing before God on judgment day because I didn't believe that he would reward my risk. Take some risks for Jesus. I want to preach to my sons. It'll hurt sometimes. It'll cost sometimes. Sometimes you don't know when it's coming back, but Jesus is worth it all. Well, I don't regret a mile. I've traveled for the Lord. (laughs) And I don't regret the times that I've trusted in his word. I've seen the years go by. 
many days without a song. But I don't regret a mile that I traveled for the Lord. <laughs> mm, boy, that's helping me. I want to just say, take that devil in Jesus' name. No regrets, no sorrow. I have no sad songs to sing. Amen. If I had to do it over again, I pray that I say, okay, God, I'm much quicker. Can we get to the sacrifice? Because I'm ready for the reward on the other side. May God help us to quit running from sacrifice and running from commitment and running from faithfulness and running from risk and running from hardship and trial. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Your responsibility. Ezekiel 22 verse 30. I sought for a man among them that shall make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none who will step up and accept the task at hand. And I'm not going to apologize for pushing the envelope. I'm not going to apologize for challenging you and, and, and preaching hard to encourage you to reshape your thinking and your attitude to get it more in alignment with the mindset and framework of the gospel and the cause of Christ and our responsibility to make disciples of men and preach the gospel to every creature. Who will step up? And accept the task at hand. You know what blessed my socks off was this morning when the younger generation came up and prayed. There were several young people. I'm talking about younglings seeking God with tears in their eyes. Don't even know what they was praying about. And it didn't matter. I laid my hands on them and prayed for them and watched tears fall from their face. I'm glad to tell you this next generation, God's raising up some that are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. And the Bible says they shall be filled. Not everybody will get filled, but those that are hungry and thirsty will come for it and they'll get it because they're willing to take some risk for Jesus. God, help us not to be slothful, careless workers because those are a dime a dozen. Why, if you want to end up a statistic, just do what average does. God didn't call us to fit in with the clique of the club or to maintain status quo or to, or to live in maintenance mode until it dries out. God called us to rise up and do mighty exploits for the King of kings and Lord of lords. And it requires faithfulness. The Bible said, having done all to stand. If you've done everything else you can do, can you still stand? Don't sit down. Don't quit. It's not time to. It's time to get up and stand. If you can't do anything, if you'll stand, Jesus will stand with you. 2 Timothy 2.15 Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman. Did you know that it's a work to study? The word workman means toiler that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Don't just come to church and be spoon fed. Take that Bible home and dig it out yourself. Ask the Holy Ghost to talk to you. Speak to you, teach you something. And if you'll do that, if every, I believe if every born again believer in the house of God would make it a regular routine, not just to read you three chapters to get through your daily duty, but to really go in there with a hunger and a thirst and a desire to learn and hear from the voice of God. If every one of the church members did that on a daily basis, you'd come to church Sunday morning fired up. Amen. You'd be so full, you might not even need me to preach for you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's time that we get hungry for this thing. And it takes study to show ourselves approved unto God. A workman. It takes work to study. Much weariness to the flesh is in reading. The writer of Ecclesiastes said, that, that means it's gonna, it's going to, uh, you have to push through your fleshly desire and tendency to, to kick up your feet and relax. I'm afraid that we give too much time to media and entertainment and social media and stuff like that and not enough time to the Word of God. 
If you consumed as much Bible as you consumed media, how much closer would you be to God? How much more powerful would your walk be? I know I'm preaching hard tonight, but God sent me here to do this tonight. It's time that we clean house and get where we need to be with God. Getting that book. Because this world ain't going to get any closer to heaven when we're letting hell entertain us rather than the Bible. Rather than the Bible educate us. All right, 1 Timothy 5, 17. Let the elders that rule well, the elders, word elders here is synonymous with pastors. Let them be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor. That's what I want to emphasize is that word labor. It's the Greek word kopieo. Uh, it literally means to feel fatigue by implication to work hard, to bestow labor, toil, to be wearied. Those who labor in the word and doctrine. That makes me feel a little better, better about feeling tired all the time. Hallelujah. <laughs> I ain't doing my job if I'm not tired after I've done my work for the Lord. You see, we got this thing backwards. We think God, uh, God is the God only of comfort. We come to church to relax. No, we come to church to get re-energized. We come to church to get Holy Ghost octane for the soul. We come to church to get re our batteries recharged, our engine revved back up and uh, sitting on the, the red light with the rubber spinning so that when it turns green, you'll take off. Amen. That's why we come to church, not to lay down, but to get up again. We're to labor in the word and doctrine. Pray, pray that your pastor will do, be faithful to that work. Amen. And if you want to honor the kingdom of God, you must work for it. Don't be afraid to do hard things. We've been too easy on our people. Don't expect nothing much. Don't want to offend nobody. It ought to be an insult to any adult that, that, that we would, that anybody would feel like they had to pamper us so. Amen. Uh, where, where in any other part of the world is it acceptable for grown people to wear chips on their shoulders all the time? Where is that acceptable anywhere else? Then why is the church allowing that to happen? We have no business wearing chips on our shoulders, just daring somebody to hurt our feelings so we can say something or, or back out or, 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 uh, pitch a temper tantrum or whatever, fill in the blank. Amen. God help us. Amen. To, uh, to endure hardness as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. If we want to honor the kingdom, we must work for it. It won't come automatically, nor will it come by force or demand, but by it will come by working for it. God set it up so that if we want the kingdom, we got to go get it. The kingdom of God suffereth violence. The violent take it by force. God help us to go take the kingdom. It's yours for the getting, but you got to go get it. Remember the lady, or the, maybe it was the man, I can't remember, found a field, treasure in it. Nobody else knew that treasure was there. Apparently, he's the only one, so he thought. He went home and sold everything he had so he could buy that field. He wasn't interested in the field, but he was interested in the treasure that was already in the field. If you ever get a, if you ever get a revelation of how good it is to serve God, you'll sell out for Jesus. You'll say, there's nothing worth spending my life for like the church, like the church of the living God, like the Lord Jesus Christ and his work. Amen. And we'll not be figuring out ways to cheapskate God, to cheat God out of his duty, uh, out of the duty and the honor and the glory and the work that's due his name. But we'll be figuring out ways that we can cheat our flesh out of getting its way again. Who are you cheating, your flesh or God? 
Hello. Ephesians 4, 1, I therefore the prisoner, Paul writes, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Are we even walking worthy of it? I'm afraid that this American brand of Christianity is pitiful. And it makes God sick. Amen. Where's the backbone? Where's the work ethic? Where's the commitment? Where's the ability to take a licking and keep on ticking for Jesus? Amen. Where's the ability to be criticized and talked about and run down and go hug your brother's neck anyway? Amen. Kiss him on the cheek and go right on your merry way. Keep serving Jesus. You're not serving them anyway. You're serving Jesus. If you quit because of men, you're serving men. If you can't quit because of men, you're serving God. 2 Timothy 4, 5. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Paul told the young pastor Timothy and make full proof of thy ministry. The pastor's not even worth his salt if he don't do some evangelism while he's pastoring. And we thought a good pastor didn't go anywhere. But Paul told Timothy, if you want to make full proof of your ministry, you better get outside of the four walls of your church and figure out how to spread the gospel beyond you. Because it ain't going to do it by itself. It's going to take work, sacrifice, commitment. You're going to have to go wide open for a while. People tell me all the time, slow down, preacher. I can't slow down. I can't. I've already got my orders from headquarters. Can't slow down. And nor do I want to. Sometimes I need a little physical rest. But when God says get back up, I got to get them go. And so do you. Don't tell us you're God's man or woman. Show us you're God's man or woman. Do you serve them with your lips or with your heart and your actions? First Corinthians 13, 11. When I became a man, Paul said, I put away childish things. Second Timothy 2, 4 through 6, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath called him to be a soldier. What in the world are we doing getting so tangled up in this world that we have little to no time to spare for the King of kings and the Lord of lords and we call ourselves Christians? You say, I don't like that kind of preaching, Brother Gary. It makes me uncomfortable. We're making progress then. We're making progress. I'm not trying to be mean. Not at all. Could it, could it, could it be? I think it was Ezekiel. God told him to slap the, slap his hands and stomp his feet when he preached. Could it be God gave me my personality because he called me to wake some people up? I think so. That's God's business. ain't mine. You, want, you think I'm strung too, too tight? Go talk to God about it. God knows how to tune me down when he needs me to. The Bible says this. Well, hold on a second. So we're pleasing him who chose us to be a soldier, right? So you're in a fight for souls of men to so start acting like it. God don't choose wimpy sissies to do his work. Verse 5, And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. You got to do it by the book. can't just do it in your way. You can't just any, many, mighty mow it. can't just draw up our own preferences and get it signed off on by a majority. A majority wrong is still wrong. Amen. Twelve went to spy out the land. A majority came back and said, we can't take it. Two came back and said, well, God said we could. Yeah, that's right. 
And the other, the ten and the, all that followed them died after about 40 years of miserable life in the wilderness. And then the two that believed went on in and took it. Because they believed God. There Caleb was at the age of, I guess, 80, 85, somewhere in there. I said, he said, I'm just as able now as I was then. Give me my mountain. I like Caleb. He was so tenacious. He didn't let 40 years of stubborn brethren keep him from keeping his eye on the prize. You know what you got to do? You got to have a 40 year commitment. 40 years. 40 is a, uh, is a number for testing and a number of judgment. Where, where will you be after 40 years of church? Can you even survive church that long? Uh, if you put your focus on Jesus, you will. Some of you already have. Thank God for you. Some people can't survive two years of church. Because it ain't all they cracked out to be. They received the word with joy, but after a while, because of the word, they were offended. They, they didn't realize what they were getting into. God help us to be fully committed. Amen? We've got to do it lawfully. Your rewards, your effectiveness and honor will only come if you fight by the book. Many want to enjoy the fruits of the harvest without doing the work, though. John 4.38 said, I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored and you're entered into their labors. Hmm. We are entered into their labor. That means we can't even take all the credit for it. Amen. This thing was going strong before I ever come along. It'll be going strong way after I'm gone. My job is just to be plugged in while I'm here. And that's exactly your job. Get plugged in while you're here. If not now, when? If not here, where? If not you, who? If you wait for the right conditions, the right amount of money, the right talent, the right pastor, the right set of deacons, the right set of uh, a church, new church members, the right... The, if you wait for all of your preferential circumstances, it'll never happen. You got to just get busy and make it happen with what God's given you. And it won't look the same as what you'd hoped it, but it'll look a lot better when you put it in the hands of God and let him bless it. Am I preaching tonight? I want to say this. The Bible said the husbandman that laboreth must first be first partaker of the fruits. You get what you earn. Now, I'm not talking about for salvation. I'm talking about fruit for your labor in the kingdom. We don't work for salvation. That's already paid for. We work to glorify God. Let your light so shine before men. Here's why, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We work to glorify our Father. If God's glory increases by your level of work in His kingdom, how much glory does He have? Can I ask that again? If God's glory is representative of how committed you are to working in his kingdom, how much glory does he have? Because we are to work to glorify him. If you're not being glorified, whose fault is that? Amen. God is not going to just hand you the harvest and the celebrations of a prosperous ministry. You will work for it. Get serious about God's work and get to the plow. No man having uh, put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. What are we doing looking back? Farmers tell me you look back and you plow crooked rows. You got to keep your eyes straight ahead. Not fit. It doesn't say you're not fit for heaven. It says you're not fit for the kingdom. It ain't going to work in the kingdom like that. You got to stay focused. You got to stay committed. It's true blue all the way to the end. Finish what you started. Be true to your word. Be a man of character, woman of character, dignity. Can I get an amen tonight? If you say you're going to be here, be here. If you can't be here, call in and let somebody know why you're not here so that they're not worried about you. 
By the way, as the pastor, if you have a responsibility in this church, it's not too much to ask for you to call me and let me know if you're not going to be here so that I can know where you're at or what you're trying to know how to pray for you, know how to plan for your absence if I need to. Be glad to help in that department. But you'd be surprised, brother, at the people that won't even show up and don't even bother to tell the pastor why they're not here. That's not faithfulness. Second Thessalonians 3.10 For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. A principle that shows us that work is what earns reward so far as reward is concerned. Listen, lazy preachers and lazy laymen and lazy church members is one of the worst testimonies placed today on our churches. We want it all, we want it now, and we don't want to have to work for it is the average attitude of an American Christian today. If you want to drink of the waters at Bethlehem, you must exhibit leadership that is worthy of loyalty. Remember that story? David had his mighty men say, oh, that I could drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem. They busted down into the enemy's camp, risked their life, brought back some water, and David realized how much a risk it was, and he poured it out as an offering before the Lord because he respected their commitment more than he respected feeding his flesh. Hmm. Loyalty is important. This is not boot camp. This is war. I'm about done. No one ever said faithfulness would be easy. First Thessalonians 5.24 says, Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Good thing is we got a faithful God. He'll be more committed to you than you are to Him. Amen. He will be. Is it not a reasonable service? What is a reasonable service to God? To be half-hearted? Is half-heartedness what God's looking for? No, a living, fill in the blank, sacrifice. That's not half-heartedness. That's all in. I got a, a message I preached, and I won't preach it tonight, on the 10% Christians. They think they're doing God a service because they pay their tithes and been doing it their whole life. But that's all they do. They pay the tithes. Do nothing else. Tipping God. Hoping God will let them into heaven or whatever. Hoping that God will be okay with their quote-unquote service to the Lord. Not realizing that 10% is just the beginning of what God wants. The early church gave first of themselves. God wants you before he wants your money. No father on his deathbed ever celebrated his money. You know what they cherish the most is the time, the quality time they spent with friends and family. That's what they talk about. I'm headed somewhere with this. You know what God values most? Time with you. Faith and obedience. Heart matters. He doesn't just, God don't need your money to survive. He's not going to go broke without you. He knows if he's got your heart, he's got any asset in your life that he might use for his glory. Some, little, or all of it. He may not ask for no more than 10%. You know, the Bible talks about 10% plus offerings. I believe in that, don't you? But listen, it's, it's, it's not about the money. It's about the heart. And I believe we have Christians today that are looking for ways to just barely meet the biblical standard of giving. When God's looking for some crazy faith, people that will say, you know what? If I have to sacrifice X, Y, Z, name it. If God's asking me to do that, then he's worthy. If God is asking more of me, he's worthy. 
God may not ask specifically for me what he'll ask specifically from somebody else. He told his disciples that. Told Peter he's going to die of the death of a crucifixion. He said, well, what about John? He said, what will I be? Don't ever die. That's none of your business, Peter. I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what he said. We get so focused on whatever else he is or ain't doing. And we compare ourselves one with another. The Bible says that's not even wise to do. You focus on your walk with God so then every one of us shall give him account of himself to the Lord. You do what's right between you and God and pray for everybody else and support them any way you can and let God be God. And it's, you're, you'd be so free if you'd let go of being everybody else's sheriff and sheriff yourself to the Holy Ghost. And give everybody else freedom and liberty to discover God as you pray for them. Be graceful, be kind, be supportive, but do you with God and be faithful. Amen? All right, I know I went a little long, but I hope it was worth it. Good little study, I think. We'll need to be faithful. Let's pray. Father, I want to be faithful. Lord, sometimes I might be faithful in presence, but sometimes my attitude is not there with me. Sometimes my heart is not as faithful as my physical presence is. Sometimes I might be present, but I'm not here. I'm just being honest. And would anybody else in the building say I've, I've been there sometimes? Lord, help us to be faithful in spirit and in truth. Lord, we wouldn't just show up, but be miserable. But we show up with our heart engaged. We show up right with God and men. And we drop all of our division and strife and, and complaints and bitterness and just let it all go and just come in here with our hearts engaged in worship, loving God, loving each other, and watching God bless the unity of the brethren as you grow your church. Lord, help us to be faithful to you and your word and the responsibilities you've given us to not shirk our responsibilities and justify our lackadaisical attitudes when we have them, Lord. Lord, thank you for those who are faithful to come. Lord, thank you for those that, who, would be, who are faithful in spirit, though their bodies are weak and they're not able. And those who would be here, but they have prior and uh, other obligations that prohibit them from being here, Lord. But their hearts are here. But Lord, I pray if there's any in our midst, Lord, uh, myself included, where there's maybe some a spirit of unfaithfulness that needs to be addressed, that you would address it through the person of the Holy Spirit, that you purge our hearts, cleanse us of any, Lord, uh, of any foul spirit. Create within us a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within us so that we would engage and do the work of the kingdom without complaint and without fear without hesitation. Be faithful to our posts. In Jesus' name we pray, God's children say amen.